you better hurry. I just got 10 minutes to catch my plane. Hold everything, Fasso! And we're off. Here we go. Cork tank, folks. Big one. Big deal we got here. It's huge. It's one of the greatest deals of all time. Yeah. Yeah, we got Barack Hussein Obama on the podcast (laughs) this week. We do. The Barack Hussein Obama of Madeira. (laughs) Um, Yeah, minus the, you know... You know, I mean, needless violence and, you know, there's a lot of things we can go to. But you don't, Paul, you don't have a Nobel Peace Prize, do you? No, yet. unfortunately, not yet. <laughs> okay. But okay. you do we'll have a, you do have a drone program, right? Was, was I misinformed <laughs> about that? Ah, uh, I'm not at liberty to discuss that. Ah, well, I'm that's glad fair. to hear we're talking to a professional then, because that's a very, that's a very <laughs> good answer. <laughs> All right, so I'm very excited. Um... I, uh, your big, uh, well, I think it seems like, you know, you have quite a, a, a broad knowledge base and I will, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but you are like, what, uh, what got you interested in Madeira specifically? Um, well, first off, you know, aside just, from it being good. Yeah. Well, you know, first off, just a lover of wine, uh, in general, but you know, I love to explore, um, I love different things and I love fortified wines. And early on in my wine career, um, you know, living in San Francisco Bay Area, we have a lot of exposure to a lot of things. Um, you know, I, I try to go to as many events as I, as I can. I feel like if I lived anywhere else in the country, if I could go to just one event that I get to go to, it would be amazing and I would die for it. You know, so I'm really fortunate. So there was um, pre-COVID, I want to say 2018 probably is when my journey with Madeira really started because it's, again, something that was a little elusive in the sense of like mm-hmm. you don't you don't really get to try a lot of it. And you definitely, unless you're putting down top dollar, you're not really getting to taste a lot of the frisqueras, a lot of the old vintage Madeiras, um, you know, that you hear about people um, drinking. So uh, I was lucky enough that in the span of about three months, um, I went to three different tastings. One that was just, um, uh, it was it was basically all the Cossard Gordon uh, different Madeiras, and it was all different vintages, um, you know, 10 years, and, you know, you had, the, you had the 5, 10, 15 years and all that, but then you had a lot of vi- uh, vintage, so I was able to taste through all of them, you know, it was like, I think it was like 15 different Madeiras, and that was the first time where I was like, oh, oh wow, nice. these are all different, and now I can understand why a Circeal is actually dry, you know, and why, you know, the Buol or the Malmsey is really sweet, you know, and you, because you were able to see that range. Then uh, there was another trade tasting up in the city where they were just bringing out like all it was like every producer of Madeira, like uh, all of them. So I was able to then taste, you know, now the different styles because um, some are technically a little sweeter and some are a little drier depending on the producer. Uh, so that was you know, the next eye opener. But then I also took a food and wine pairing class at the San Francisco Wine School with Rubina Vieira, who is the um, she is the Madeira educator. Uh, so she was in town and I did a food and wine pairing class. And that was where all the aha moments, you know, all the bells and whistles that, you know, everything just went off um, because in my, you know, the restaurant that I work at, Shea TJ in Mountain View, that's what we do is a lot of wine pairings. So all of a sudden I was like, oh, I can use all of this stuff now for savory courses, not just for nice, dessert. Yeah, yeah. And that's where everything just took off. You know, it was mine explosion and then it was just off to the races. So and then uh, and then I found out that they started doing this Madeira educator course and I was in the second class right before um, COVID and uh, became North America's and the USA's first uh, and only I think there's one might be one now uh, certified Madeira wine educator and um, yeah so that's that. That's sick, man. Oh, this is terrible. We the fact that you have certifications <laughs> means you might 
not be eligible to be on the rest of this podcast because we're yeah. <laughs> we're deeply yeah. committed to having no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, don't worry, don't worry, man. It's going to be a fun journey, regardless of it. So, <laughs> I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one thing. I am definitely not a pretentious um or t- pretentious wine person. You know, there's there's all the great wines out there, and there's all great journeys to go on. You know, that's one thing I actually said to people during COVID was like, you know, we might not be able to travel right now, but we can travel with our glass, you know, and that's what I would do every night is to travel to a different country, a different place, you know, and learn about it. So nice. Yeah. When I travel with my glass, I typically bring a broken bottle onto the bus and say, I'm not going to <laughs> And I get around pretty easy with that trick. Tom, has, Tom has been carrying around the same brown paper bag of certain dimensions for many years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no it's funny because a lot of people who come not a lot of people who come onto this but we assume a lot of people who come onto this don't want to like give their names because it's like it's called cork taint you know mm-hmm. and like it's you know but uh so yeah if you want to plug anything or give your credentials i'll you know paul the wine guy right that's your uh your instagram yeah. that, that is my instagram handle paul the wine guy um my official name is paul Carias. Um, again, I'm the wine and beverage director, also GM for restaurant Shea TJ in Mountain View, which is a Michelin Raider restaurant. And other than that, I'm the certified Madeira wine educator. I'm a certified sommelier through the Court of Master Psalms. I'm a sherry specialist, working on advanced right now, working on, um, a certified wine specialist, and then, uh, going for port educator and sherry educator, um, within this God next year. Damn. So Hell yeah. That's There's a lot going awesome. on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I, because I really want the trifecta of uh, fortified wines. I already, I, last year I spoke at SOMCON with Eric Segelbaum and taught the whole Madeira course. It was completely sold out and it was a fun, fun thing. So I want to have the trifecta so I can start going around to more of these conferences and speaking, teaching about people. Because that's the thing, you know, not only about Madeira, one of it being elusive, but all wines in general, is always that thing about, you know, it's it's that fear factor, you know, the fear of the unknown. And that's why people get so com- comfortable being like, I just want a Cabernet or I just want a Chardonnay. It's the fear right. factor. It's like, so the more we talk about it, the more we, we you know, uh, demystify it. You know, make people a little bit more friendly with it. I mean, it, you know, because that's the thing. It's like you guys are missing out on so much amazing wine in the world. We need to reboot. Totally, no, we yeah. need to get Joe Rogan off of whatever he's doing now and reboot Fear Factor. But it's all wines people haven't tried before. Oh, <laughs> that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do our no. best to save Joe Rogan's soul. <laughs> no, we should. Yeah, we should. We should convince Joe Rogan to do that to leave his podcast, and then we'll just slowly slip into the. We'll just start. We'll just become him, basically. <laughs> like we'll just, just like physically, we'll just be. We'll just become him, and then we'll sneak our way into. Having his like five hundred million dollars. This is the, this is the soft is. launch of the Corktain experience. And this episode yeah. is actually going to be yeah. three yeah. hours yeah. long. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't have Great to have ideas. any like pre-roll joints with you, so we can all just get yeah. stupidly high. Do you? No, yeah. now you're speaking yeah. my language. <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk is actually coming on next, um, so. Yeah. And he's going to talk about how he's just completely full of shit yeah. in every possible well, way. That, I mean, not to derail everything too far, but it'd be very fun to have an interview with him about South African wine and the first fully automated winery in the world. Yeah, that would be. Self-driving tractors. Honestly, if we, like, pitch that to him, he might be, like, irrational enough to be like, yeah, I'll do that. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That would be very good. never know. Yep. (laughs) So with – what would your – as a as a Madeira educator, what would taking us as both uh, people with everything to learn, me especially, I think 
Tom knows a bit more than I do. What, where would you want to start with us, uh, teaching us about Madeira? What would your, uh, how would you begin the course with us, as it were? Um, well, I first would probably just say, you know, let's like Madeira. It's it's the name of the island and also the wine. It was inhabited by the Portuguese in the early 1400s, and then um, basically planted vines all over uh, the um, the island. You know, they actually had to burn down a bunch of trees. Um, you know, way back in the day, that's what those people did. Uh, they burn all the burn burn all the trees, and then that would help to refertilize the land. You know, even though it is very fertile because it's all volcanic. Uh, and then you know they start planting all their grapes, uh, um, and they, you know, the the styles. It's, I don't like to use comparisons too much to being like, oh, you know, um, you know, this tastes like whatever else. But to wrap some people's heads around it, if they're not familiar, that Madeira can kind of be similar to like a tawny port in that taste structure of having mm. more of that molasses, mm-hmm. maple syrupy component. The d- main difference, though, between port and Madeira is that ports mostly, unless it's a white port, are all made with red grapes, whereas Madeiras, the true noble varieties, are all white grapes. You know, and there's mm. there's the main red grape that's there is Tinta Negra, which has become the workhorse grape. You know, that's what you find in a lot of just like the five year age. And it doesn't say, you know, uh, the designation of the varietal. Um, and Tinta Negras can also you know, become vintages or cojitas and they are beautiful. But it is the workhorse, the noble grapes, the Circeal, your, you know, your uh, Verdejos, the, the Buals and um, the Malmsies or the Malvasias and, and also Terantesh. You know, those are all your noble grapes that those are the ones that usually get put into the five or ten years with the specific designations. And those are also the ones that go into being made into frascaras, which are your age worthy uh, wines, you know. And as you guys probably know, most others, and if you don't, but these wines are basically indestructible. Um, you know, everything you could do to, to, to really. And I guess we and I get you guys, we cuss on this show, right? Oh, rarely. Yeah, I mean, rarely. I don't know yeah. what the fuck you're talking about, man. That's yeah. <laughs> all right. Because if you want to do like to do to make Madeira, you're basically doing everything you can, you can to fuck a wine up. You're exposing it to heat. You're exposing <laughs> nice. it to oxygen. You know yeah. what I mean? And and, oh, yeah. and and it's everything that you can do to to, to really mess the wine up. But you know they come out so beautifully. Um, you know, and essentially, if you can, like I, I'm picking up a bottle right now, looking at. Um, I'm drinking four four right now. So I've got a uh, five year old Cercial uh, from Blandies, a five year old Buol from Blandies. And then I've got two frescaras from Coast Guard Gordon, a 1985 for Seal and a 1975 Teron Tesh. Nice. And, Amazing. Uh, you know, <laughs> from damn. from driest to sweetest, you have your Cercials, uh, which is the driest, then your Verdejos, which are going to be your medium dry. Uh, then you move into Teron Tesh, which is kind of in between that. It can be medium dry or medium sweet. Then you have your Buals, which are medium sweet. And then the Malmsies or the Movesias, which are going to be your sweet styles. Um, side note, Cercial being dry is also called the dog strangler because dogs will go <laughs> and try to eat the grapes in the vineyards. And it's so high in acidity that they literally start to choke uh, on the grapes. Jesus. Wow. wow. Oh, that is a uh, wow. <laughs> so, huh. so these are white grapes with really, really high acidity. Um, you know, and these, and these are grapes, you know, that, that can really stand the test of time. So nice. also, I should say another side note, really, really great food and wine pairing is if you guys like oysters, little oysters, you take the oyster, you put a little bit of a, uh, uh, you shoot the oyster, put a little cerciol back into the, into the oyster shell huh. and then, and then reshoot that in the oyster shell. Wow. Wow. So you get oh, a little bit man. more of the, you get more of the, Don't you know, the, 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 the juice that's in there, man, with the, but it yeah, has to be yeah, cerciol. Yeah. It has to be the cerciol. It's you're, amazing. Right, right. Well, you're really so, speaking our language because if there's one thing we love, it's taking wine and pouring <laughs> it through the i don't know bones or husks of Car- yeah, carcasses vestiges yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah no it's funny i uh I, this this bottle of um cercial um that 
uh, that I'm drinking right now is the same one that boom when you were out visiting in what mm-hmm. like February or something. Yeah. Je- yeah, I think that it's just been open in my fridge, and I'll check in on it every now and then. I'm like, nope, this is still completely, perfectly, absolutely delicious. And it kind of reminds me of, like, certain spirits where someone's like, you know, you're like, oh, like, thinking about, like, somebody spending, like, $100 on a bottle of wine versus, like, $100 on a bottle of, like, whiskey or something. And it still mm-hmm. seems like I'm paying $100 for a bottle of this thing. But, like, the wine, it's like you're going to open it once and then it's not going to be very good. It's not going to be good for that long. But, like, a bo- $100 for a bottle of, like, whiskey or whatever is it's still a bunch of, like, a lot of money to put down. But it's like you can drink that for years and years and years and years and years and years. Yep. The, the relative value of at least of, like, old bottles of Madeira, not, like, whatever, fucking ones from, like, the fucking 1800s, but even ones from, like, the 70s or 80s or whatever. You're like, given what this thing is, this is, this is extremely reasonable price-wise for what this thing is like it's it, it's wild and it seems kind of like a thing that we shouldn't really be saying on a podcast and putting out to the public but uh, <laughs> you know can't let them know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well, the, well that's the thing though man is that i agree with you on that on that end because i want to be a little selfish and keep all the madeira because i can drink all the madeira <laughs> in the world but you know it is one of those things that I don't know if you guys know this either, but Madeira is really America's beverage. You know, when they signed the Declaration of Independence, everybody toasted with Madeira. There was over 80 bottles open up that night alone of just Madeira. You know, wow. George Washington, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, they used to have cash just sent over them to them. Uh, I mean, like, they would drink Madeira like crazy. And so I, so every, so every 4th of July, I always have Madeira. Because it's, it's America's beverage. <laughs> That's nice, it's man. It's literally America's awesome. beverage. That's, oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so you want a, you want a little history lesson, just real quick? Won't be yep. too Looks overly always. involved, but so I'm I'm this is the best way that I like to explain it. At least when I'm at the at the restaurant too, I take a bottle and I can either look at the bottle or, or point it at somebody to use it as a reference point. Saying if you can loosely picture this being the west coast of Africa, just above you have Portugal, and then all the way out coming towards you. So if you look towards the northwest, essentially of where the tip of Africa would be, or to the west of Portugal itself about 400 or so miles from either coast. And that's where the island of Madeira lies. Okay, and then back in the day, winemakers would make wine. They put those wines in barrels and then set them at the bottom of ships to help with the ballasting. And then those ships would depart on a journey, usually heading down the west coast of Africa, passing through the equator, coming around to the eastern part, passing through the equator, and then making the journey back again. So passing through the equator four times would essentially cook the wine. Movement inside the barrels would add oxygen, so these wines also became oxidized. When they returned back to the island, the winemakers would revisit tasting them, felt they tasted older and better, therefore they could essentially charge more money. And that's kind of how Madeira was born. Now it also was the most important trading port uh, up until the Suez Canal was opened. And then again, you know, it's essentially America's beverage. Uh, uh, so now that's not really happening with these, you know, uh, these uh, voyages around the world. Uh, there's essentially two different methods. You have um, the uh, Quinternal method, which is the more traditional method where they take the barrels uh, they fill in the wine and they put them at the top of the rafters in their different buildings and that's kind of the more traditional way uh, or you have the estufa gem uh, method where they're actually putting them through these pipes called estufas um, and they're heating it um, for like three months and then uh, adding oxygen the whole time that's how you get more of a speed of sped up pro- uh, process for you know just mm. the, the regular lower end or i shouldn't say lower end but just the regular uh, maderos so Man, gotcha. I'd be sort of terrified Damn. to walk into a building with just a bunch of barrels of wine up in the rafters. That's in the rafters, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. it smells smells so good though. <laughs> yeah, man, I bet. Wait, so wait, Boone, which one are you? What are you drinking? So I have the Broadbent uh, Five Year Reserve. Nice. And I'm nice. What's that like?
Um, It's, um, 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 Sorry, I was tasting it again to add a dramatic pause there. <laughs> uh, I'll edit it to make it extra long. Oh, perfect. Put in some, yeah. s- some, some sort of spooky music in there. <laughs> uh, so the... Um, well, I don't know in the... So, Paul, in the uh, terminology you were using, I don't see any of those terms on this particular bottle or I can't figure out what... Um, I should have looked it up to figure out what uh, what it was in the uh, terminology like production and so forth. Yeah, you mean so, the gra- you mean the grape varietal? No, no the um, uh, the different designations of sweetness that you just went through. Mm-hmm. Which you didn't you didn't hear me? Well, no, no, I heard you. I I was saying I don't know what this one is in that uh, in that lineup. So most likely. If the five-year reserve is most likely going to be a, a Tinta Negra. Okay. Um, and I'm going to say that's probably on the medium sweeter side. Yeah, well, it, has, it definitely has some sweetness to it. Um, not... Not... Um, by no means cloying. Like, it doesn't seem... Like, it has a very... Well, try not to do too much of the comparing uh, you were just talking about, but the way that it kind of resolves reminds me of sherry whereas the weight and sort of flavor are more port-esque um mm-hmm. but it's just a i don't know it's just re- really good it's outside of most of the terms i normally use for wine but yeah i mean uh, again without 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 it being one of the noble grapes it's kind of hard to, to say because you can kind of make it you know that that's they have that versatility or uh, in a sense mm-hmm. so I just kind of, I just kind of looked it up a little bit myself. It just says, you know, that it's a sweet dessert wine. So I'm gonna probably say that it's more of a medium sweet style. But you're obviously right uh, with with those notes. You know, you're getting that the sherry characteristic, more of that oxidative component. But then, you know, that's sweeter molasses, maple syrupy sort of component or like caramel, if you will, a little bit that you would find in like tawny ports. Yeah, essentially. The, the other thing about it that's really compelling um, and not necessarily surprising, but out of like. It has a mineral, like mineral quality to it, like a like a salinity and sort of firmness to its structure. That uh, it's not, you know, it's not insanely acidic, but it feels like it has this more. What you were saying, I'm, what you were saying about it, it's a different varietal that would go into it. The, but the um, the idea that this was like a very acid forward wine as it was made, and that's just kind of mm-hmm. held held everything else about it together over time is. Uh, feels apparent in its overall structure and mouthfeel, which is really, I don't know what you were saying about, because it's not something I've ever really thought of or done, but uh, pairing this with savory food would work insanely well for so many dishes. Um, And it's, you know, it's not into the realms of everything you're talking about makes me want to go discover uh, all kinds of stuff about vintage Madeira, but this is like, it feels a lot more versatile than uh, what... I feel like fortified wine normally gets classified as in terms of a, a 
pairing uh, option. Oh, I would 100% agree. And I think everything you said was great. And I appreciate that you said mouthfeel, because that's one of my favorite words to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, no, I think you're you're spot on with all that, man. You know, the acidity is the main major factor when it comes to Madeira, which really sets it apart from, uh, you know, port when it comes to, you know, food pairing, especially for savory courses. I mean, at the end of last year, I was in the little Psalm Olympics thing with... um, uh, Lindsay Young, who's the wine director down at Selby's, which is another Michelin restaurant, when we were at the San Francisco Wine School for their benefit, and I, one of the components was a food and wine pairing. So I had already told David Glancy, who's the master Psalm, when we were at SomCon, I was like, I know I'm doing this, but I am pouring a Madeira. I don't fucking care what the dish is yet, because I don't even know. I was like, but I'm pouring a Madeira. So when I got the menu of what it was going to be, I immediately was like, all right, I'm using Blandy's Tanya Verdejo, so medium, medium dry. Uh, uh, Madeira, they paired it with the um, uh, sea bass that was served with a tarragon cream sauce. You had the carrots and then pulpitas, so essentially golden raisins. And it was the golden raisin component where it was really the seal the deal oh, factor nice. for me because you've got a fattier fish, the acidity of the verdeo is going to cut through it, but you have that little bit of sweetness, that slight bit of raisination, hitting that with the with the with the not only the raisin but then also the sweetness of the carrot, and then you're cutting through the richness of the sauce, the tarragon, all like the little floral or, or you know. Um, uh, uh, like um, herb, herbaceous components. I mean, it was right. it, it, even I felt I outdid myself. I had literally people getting up, <laughs> walking over to me, shaking my hand, being like, "This was one of the most amazing experiences." Even Lindsay, uh, you know, she's gonna be a master of song too. She walked over to me too. She was like, "Paul, that was fucking mind blowing, like amazing." And I was like, "Thank you." You know, <laughs> nice. like so. It is, awesome. And this is what I love to do in the restaurants too, man. I mean, because it, it is. It's these things that, you know. <sighs> There's so many more components, too, than just being like, oh, here's here's what the protein is. You know, I, I really do go down the rabbit hole when I think about all the different layers and textures and components when it comes to food pairing. But Madeira makes it a little easy because stuff that you're like, dude, I don't know what to pair with this. Most likely a Madeira will work with it. You know, like mm. the, the veggie components, you know, you get stuff, stuff that, you know, people really just shy away from. But Madeira is, man, it's like, and this is another thing, too, people got to think. It's like, what do you think the people on the, on the island of Madeira are drinking with their different meals? What do you think they're having with their breakfast? You know, like, what do you think? People, people <laughs> yeah. in Sherry, you know, people live in Sherry. They're drinking, you know, Fino Sherry in the morning, cutting off a little piece of jamon. You know, that's how they start their days. You know what I mean? So it's like, you got to start thinking in those terms. Sure, it's like, too, it's like what grows together goes together. So there's a lot of seafood yeah, in Madeira. Yeah. So it's a perfect, you know, pairing for that. You know, but pork works really well. Uh, you know, foie gras, yeah. you know, you get some of that, too. It's amazing. Uh, and one of, their, the, one of their major or main things that is always a slam dunk is their bolo de mesh. So it's, just, it's sort of like a honey cake. You do that with a little bit of bumal mm. or something some momsy it's it's heaven uh, it's, 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 it's heaven man yeah no, that sounds great yeah because right now so i'm drinking the um the rare wine company like part of their like historic series from dira it's the charleston one which is uh Cercio, um and uh which these wines like i imagine you know like a bit about these this these series and like could you just give like a, a general like overview other than the fact that like they do they basically do four different bottlings and they're all varietal. Yeah, yeah. Bottlings. So, um, yeah, yeah, not a problem. Um, so the historic series uh, is through the Rare Wine Co. Who's making that wine though is Barbieto. So Barbieto okay. is making is making the this line for them. Essentially, that line is because again, as I mentioned before, Madeira is America's beverage, and on the east coast of the U.S., you know, because that was the first areas that were populated, um, that's where all the Madeira went. You know, you had you know you had mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson and all those people that lived in in Virginia. Um, you know, so that whole area, so Charleston, you know, as you were mentioning, uh, South Carolina, you know, you've got um, the Boston one, which I think is the Buol, um, 
uh, I'm forgetting the other ones off the top of my head, but essentially these were for made for the people in those regions because those are the specific style of that particular varietal that they liked. You know, so the Boston Blue Wall is oh, a little bit sweeter mm -hmm. um, than you might find. I think the Cerciol, I haven't had these ones in a while, but but essentially they mm -hmm. were tailored to were tailored to those people's tastes, essentially. Interesting. Um, okay, cool. It's what the Historic Series is really all about. Nice. Yeah, they're all, uh, I don't think I've had all of them, but I've had at least at least three of them, and uh, they're all very good. And like the, the Cerciol, and you said it's like the, the driest out of the four, typically? Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, is, that, is that just like a, so one of the questions with, with that like is that just due to like sugar content like how, like what are they making like a winemaking decision stylistically to keep it within bounds by cutting it off at a certain like rs point or like when they choose to fortify it or like how, what is the why are the for them that that way great question um and i don't want to 100 percent misrepresent but um just off of memory right now is that because these are the varietal specific those grapes those are just how those grapes react or those are how those mm -hmm. grapes just um, become the cerciola grape is never going to be you're never going to reach the high sugar content at least not right. from my not at least not from my understanding so that's why that mm -hmm. one is always going to be served or is always going to be you know made drier um mm -hmm. but, but it is because there's more acidity i guess than to actual sugars in the grape itself right i don't okay, i don't so know i don't like, i don't uh... know if i'm i don't know if i'm 100 answering this question properly no, 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 no. I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It was so it would sort of be like if you could pick like four red grapes, like all the way on the right would be like, or like I guess like the, the sweetest you would say with that, with the higher sugar, highest sugar, you know, capability would be like Zinfandel or something, and all and all the way on the left would be like I don't know, like Trousseau or something that's like super light bodied, kind of to that extent. Is that sort of a, like that's a, a good, like a fair sort of? A, I mean, obviously very different, but in terms of like ripening and sugar capabilities, would, I guess that would be a fair. A fair assumption. Um, yeah, I, I would say okay, that. that's, cool. a, that's a fair assumption to say that. And also, too, you know, the island is really different because it's an island that actually sits horizontal, um, which is mm -hmm. all, all is unique. But the, basically, there's this mountain that just goes right through the middle of it. So everything that's on the north side just gets battered and just hit with rain and it's cold because it's all the Atlantic, you know, and everything's just getting like, 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 like gnarly blasted. But then on the southern part of the island where Fengshala is, like the major city, major city, you know, because it has the rain shadow effect coming from the from from the north part of the island, it's like actually a lot drier, um, and it doesn't get as much rain as, okay. as, the, as the other part, and it's a lot sunnier. Um, so you have these two extremes um, of, or these two two extremes, and the grapes do better in different areas uh, because of that. You know, they have these sort of little like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever seen pictures uh, of the island, uh, but it's 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 breathtaking, man. It really is. If you ever get a chance, and this is for anybody, if you ever get a chance, you gotta go because it's 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 literally like like um, Europe's Hawaii. And I had done a lot of reading about people that <laughs> back in the day, you know, like they, they would go to Madeira, you know, for ailments, you know, for 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 whatever joints hurting or you know breathing problems or whatever else. Like it's it's, it's a subtropical island, man. It's it's beautiful. I remember waking up when I was there, like be like six o'clock in the morning, and you're just getting like the sun's barely coming up, but you're just getting all this warm breezes coming coming off the ocean, you know, from northern Africa. And I mean, it just I don't know, it just livens everything up, man. Oh my god, it's amazing. <laughs> Damn, that sounds phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> just. Yeah, no, that sounds yeah. Just hanging out on also an island probably a shorter deal. flight than going to Hawaii somehow. For for you guys, definitely. Yeah. For you guys, for you guys, <laughs> you might be able to get a direct flight. You can maybe hit the Azores and then fly from the Azores down there. <laughs> oh man, and but yes, but the yeah. So this the this, Circeo, this like it's not like bone bone dry. Like it's got some RS on it, but correct. It's 
but like if someone's if someone is has been told that Madeira is like Tawny Port, and then they have this, they'd be like, oh well, like this is not even like this. Just this tastes way more like white wine than it does like Tawny Port. Like the acid on all of these that on all the really on all the Madeiras that I've had is like it's kind of unlike anything else. I'd say maybe the the only thing that I would really I wouldn't compare it to Tawny Port or really to Sherry. I'd say maybe like Marsala. But I don't know many people who have who really like getting really good marsala is like very difficult. Dude, um, Mar- Marco Di Bartoli. Yeah, yeah, Marco that's really the one you can like reliably find, and it's it's so good. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, like, do, do you think that would be fair to say like that? That's kind of the closest. And uh, yes, um, yes, for at least for quality marsala, yes. But I was still going to say that the uh, that Madeiras just have more of that nerve and tension. Um, Definitely, when, yeah. When it when when it comes to the acidity part component more mm-hmm. than anything, but yeah, I would say marsala is another one that that's that's out there like that too. One the reason I say it tastes much more like white wine is both due to acid and also like the just flavor wise, like it's got like citrus on it. It's got like the sweet the like sweetness from like. The sweetness on it—it's not like cloying or like sauterne sweet or whatever. It's like fresh pear sweetness. You know, as people would say, like, "Oh, this this dry white wine smells of pear, tastes of pear." It's like, no, this tastes like you're biting into like a delicious, juicy like pear. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what, it's what, like it has what, what, sort of what, what, that. What level kind of pear? Uh, I would say probably a, a Bartlett. I was no yeah. okay. I always get it confused. What's the what's the Bosque? What's the green one? Anjou? Sort of squatter green one. Is that, uh, I think that's the. I think that's the Bosque. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Not the. Not the brown one. That's Bartlett, right? Oh, mine. Mine yeah. is Fuck. making me think of a Bartlett pear. I don't know. Whatever, like the the rounder squatter, like green pear is that gets juicy and is like the most delicious shit ever. That one, not like the brown one. Well, um, uh, Anjou pears, maybe. Anjou pear. Yeah, sure. If that's it, then that's it, and it's <laughs> fucking good. That's not but, it. Um, you never said it. If that's not it, then I cannot be held responsible yeah. for anything that I've said. <laughs> but no, but it's but it's really good. It's it does it's not like uh like I could totally see this with when you said the oyster thing and I was like, "Holy shit." Like, yeah, that would be really good. And it's not something that I would typically cuz I don't typically like to put anything on oysters. I like the oysters for like the oh, yeah. purity of like what of of what it is. Oh, no, and uh so yeah, man, I'm excited to if anything put like maybe like one one drop of Cerciel on the oyster, and then do a shooter, and then you know top it off with a little more there empty you go. shell. Mm. But uh, I'm gonna try that next time. So yeah, that's good. What were you gonna say, Boone? Well, I was I was gonna ask about um, the fortification process uh, and like when that like if there's much difference between how Madeira is fortified compared to Sherry and Port, or um, and not that I know a huge amount about the practice with both of those, but just what the uh, what the timing is and sort of the history of that practice. Um, if so, it, they used to not be fortified. You know, way back in the day when they were first making them, they weren't fortified. But fortification happened just like with sherry and just like with port is for tra- transportation. Yeah. Um, you know, and especially going on ocean voyages um, and going from, you know, warmer climates to cooler climates and, you know, transfer back and forth. So the fortification just helps, uh, you know, to preserve the wine, um, you know, stabilize it, if you will, and, and give it the longevity. 
when they when they choose to do the fortification though is when they want to stop the fermentation so whenever uh the winemaker decides like okay this wine is where i need it to be and this is where i want it to be you know and then they'll add in the distilled spirit um usually a distilled brandy you know made from from grape uh juice there have been times where they've tried to use um uh, sugar cane uh, but they just imparted different flavors and stuff and they didn't they didn't like the way that the product turned out so um so it's always a distilled brandy that cool. they're going to use and again just whenever just just when they decide it's gonna it's gonna start they want to stop and then what happens is they well then what all the all the companies do is after they figure out you know where they want to make their maduras and they think like okay this is going to be like a five-year or ten year or whatever they have to submit it to the ivbom which is the governing body this is all about the the um it's all about the wine and textiles and, and fabrics um that the this is the whole governing board that, that runs this um they then taste all the maduras and they say like oh this tastes like a five-year or this tastes like a 10-year and then they label it as such okay oh. so it's like tawny port in yeah. that way in that in that way yes in that way. specific way okay yeah. so you you as the producer and winemaker decide what you want to try to do but then you have to like get the approval for that from that governing body Correct. Because wow. okay. they're, excuse me, they're, they're trying to make sure that these are all consistent, you know, and that like somebody's not saying that, oh, this is a five year when it's maybe either not a five year or it doesn't taste like a five year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so the five, so, so that five year indication or 10 year indication isn't necessarily saying like this is a hundred percent five years. It's saying that, you know, that they're, that they're saying on average it's five years or that it tastes like a five year old. Right, right, right. Okay. It, it is so funny that like in Portugal, it's like, oh yeah, no, the, 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 governing body that's going to make those decisions is the same one as like textiles meanwhile <laughs> in the united states it's tobacco and firearms <laughs> yeah right you know what i mean yeah. like it's just it's like oh that's mm, that's well it's all just like quaint you know tax brackets out here as well like it's all it's yeah. you know tobacco firearms and then that's just true, like yeah. the remnants of prohibition uh yeah <laughs> yeah i wonder if like if you were to make a five oh no five year and ten it'll be not it would be aging rather than uh I was going to say, like, how there's different tax, like, you're taxed based on the alcohol percentage if it was going to be something to do with age, but that's not, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Well, so that, would, that would, it, depending on, at least in America, that would impact how you paid taxes on it or when you had to pay taxes on it, so it would be a different mm. thing, but I don't know how oh, that's, that's structured point, yeah. in Madeira or on Madeira. Yeah. Or... But if I like, no, this isn't, it just tastes like it's 10, but it's, it's, one <laughs> it's that that wouldn't that's, happen that's, though <laughs> no no, no. That, that wouldn't happen but, but what if the paperwork made it <laughs> say that way oh no 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 man they're really but strict what if? The, the, the tasters there the tasters there are really really strict this is this yeah. sounds like the the like underpinnings of the kind of like terrible <laughs> hallmark movies that get made about wine country where it's yeah, like yeah yeah somebody's yeah, like yeah, whoa yeah. well we need to we can't afford to pay the taxes on the 10 years, so we need to try and get it passed as a one year, <laughs> just bribing officials to get it. No, no, no. So, it's, uh, it's, uh, he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to bribe the judges by being like, you know who liked Madeira? Benjamin Franklin. And he's like, swip, and, like slipping $100 bills in the guy's like, coat pocket. And he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> He, no, no, you're like no, no, no. But seriously, he literally, he literally did live Madeira. He literally liked it. He's like, <laughs> he, just, he was a big. Here's fan. a quarter. George, George Washington liked him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so what you were saying, what you said just then about um, when did uh, when did they start fortifying them, and when like when did that shift happen? Um, Dude, this is oh, so delicious. That is a great uh, question. Let me see if I have. I, I just and also, we can edit anything out. Oh, yeah. So you can literally I... Google it right now. 
tell us the answer, and it will seem like you knew it just off the top. I of already head. have a timestamp yeah. that I have to give Tom because the my cat was eating uh, too close nice. to the microphone, which has been a problem before. <laughs> Dude, if, if your cat is eating anywhere in the room, it'll 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 pick up. I know. <laughs> just... is it, why is it always time to feed your cat? I guess what you do, we do record it. Well, time. yeah, but he also like he just sort of he asks to come in so it's either the sound of him scratching at the door or him eating and <laughs> uh, if i could get more meowing that would be ideal honestly i mean he maybe um we'll find out but the i asked about the pre-fortification thing because just with how this wine ages got the harebrained notion that like maybe some of those wines still exist somewhere in the world oh the pre-fortification yeah bottles oh shit that's a good point which, as opposed to the, like huh. the Hallmark movie idea, yeah. this is the national treasure Nick Cage vehicle. Mm-hmm. He's trying to find mm-hmm. the founding fathers' wow. bottles of Madeira. Yes, 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 and and the the whole like Thomas Jefferson's bottles of wine thing. Yeah, like Christie's naturally has to get brought up. Yeah, um, there's a whole big scene where they that... steal it from an auction. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just no, gonna that's... just saying, I'm gonna steal Thomas Jefferson's wine cellar. <laughs> There's a secret. There's a secret message in one of his bottles of Madeira, so we have to drink all of them until we find it. Yeah, he just like starts holding empty bottles up to his eyes, being like, "I think it's an ocular device." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope, you're just hammered off of Madeira. That's <laughs> all that is. It's like, no, national no. treasure three. Message on the Madeira inside of the goggles. He's just constructing, like, there are several bottles that he has to, like, drink, and then he can put them together to make a telescope that he can look through. It's yeah, designed yeah. by Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. So, no, actually, just, spe- just speaking about all that, this is actually fun, because I'm looking back right now at my timeline of things, so I'm trying to try to find that answer of when the fortification happened. But this reminds me, though, in 1663, Madeira and the Azores were, were exempted um, from the Navigation Act of 1660. So, in 1660, the Navigation Act was, I think that was the act that was put in place from Europe, and they, they basically, or from England, they're saying that, you know, any travel that's happening in this area from, like, from Europe to to the, um, the colonies in the U.S. were all going to be taxed. Okay, but what they did, when they drew the line, they literally just, like, drew above Madeira and the Azores. They, like, just missed it. So, <laughs> the, Madeira, so, so, the, so the Madeira and the Azores were exempted Damn. from this act, many, meaning that, like, getting getting the wines to there, to or from there, and all that stuff, they, they weren't being taxed. Uh, so they were able Damn. to get... Um, it was, it was, that was another huge reason why Madeira started taking off, too, is because they were able... Um, they were able to bring, uh, you know, there was so many British uh, traders uh, that were in the colonial markets. They were able to bring, um, you know, everything back and forth. Damn, Shit. That is like the one time the fucking England was looking out for the U.S. Yeah, but it's I, like you know what, we're just gonna make this line. In line with that, they also nineteen crimes should have the Martha Stewart crossover mm. should have been a Madeira. Mm. Wow, that's All a good right. call. All right, 1753 is when the fortification process started. Nice. Oh, so it really lined up right with uh, with the founding fathers, like wanting to get, you know, the framers wanting to get extra wasted. It's just like... Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, cause in, the, in, the, in the 1750s is when it started becoming really fashionable um, in, in Britain. Oh. And that's when Port and all that, and everything else is taken off, too. Man, that is one of those, like, does anyone still make... Uh, and unfort- unfortified Madeiras? Uh, they make, there's, there are some still Madeiras, but they're made just like normal wine. 
It's uh, not like they make the process of Madeira and they they, mm. like, they switch it out or something. So um, yeah, they, there is some still wine there, but there the vineyards have been decreasing in size because the producers. There's only one producer, and that's Henrikes Henrikes that actually owns their own vineyards. Like literally, they are the only ones that own it, and they own. Uh, a good amount of Terrantesh. So this is a producer that you can find the most amount of Terrantesh. Um, they also make a 20-year Terrantesh, which is amazing, but it's like not not cheap. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> that's fair. Otherwise, all the otherwise it's all approximately producers, expensive. <laughs> it is very expensive. But um, so what the producers do is basically just buy grapes from from like little families. So like basically everybody on the island has like a little plot. And I remember when I was driving by, you're going along this this you know high curve. And there's one vine planted, and they were telling us like, like that one plant, that one vine will get cultivated for grapes. Um, so it's it's it, there is not a lot of room on the island, and they're 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 planting more sugarcane and a lot more bananas and other crops right now. Oh, so wow. that's why that's why especially these noble varieties are so important to, even to to collect or hold on to because they're, they're just there's not going to be a whole lot of them available. And the Tinta Negra is you know it produces more, the yields are higher, which is why they use it mm-hmm. as the workhorse now. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, these That's are going to become more and more elusive. Wow. So, yeah. Well, it's also m- making me think that based on what you were saying earlier, just buying the still wine from the producer that's making that and then just opening the bottle, putting the cork back in and driving it around in the trunk of your car for <laughs> several months to yeah. sort of like simulate the process. Yeah. <laughs> you never <Yeah>. know. <laughs> yeah. just, I'm just uh, getting pulled over and it's like, sir, why do you have an open bottle of wine just rolling around the back floor of your car? It's an experiment, officer. I'm... <laughs> yeah, I thought you loved the Constitution. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm doing it for America. I'm doing. I I'm doing this for Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> Officer, have you seen National Treasure? Let me, <laughs> yeah, let me just see. Wait, so it's up, Paul. I got a question. So, do Madeira's? Um, so I've heard like the people who a lot of spirit people say that you know spirits do not age in bottle except for like chartreuse. And I've heard other spirits people say people who are like spirits people who are like no, like no, like they do spirits do age in bottle. Like like if you get really old bottles, they're really really. And so does Madeira, does it, so I don't know how to feel about that. People who are psychos are like, I'm more inclined to believe because like they're crazy, you know, <laughs> but like with Madeira, does Madeira, is there any sort of like a bottle, let's say a bottle, like whatever, like 1900 fucking, I don't know, or something when that was produced or whatever, like, and let's say it was put in bottle in the fifties or something, does that taste appreciably and it has not been opened? Does that taste appreciably different than it did, like, if you open it now versus then? And do people age it with those really old bottlings? Is it ever, like, held in a cask for a super long time? Like, what is, can you please explain to us, like, aged Madeira? Sure, sure. And that's a great question. Um, So when it comes to aged Madeira, uh, so first off, I should say, um, for a vintage Madeira, you call it a frescata. Okay, so it's frescata Madeira. Uh, is a traditional meaning that it spent the correct amount of time. Uh, and I should say, Frischetta Madeira is the only wine made in the world that people in the U.S., at least, being that their current drinking age is 21 years of age, that they cannot drink their birth year on their 21st birthday because, by law, it has to spend minimum 20 years in barrel and minimum one year in bottle before it can be released. So meaning that you can't drink it because it wouldn't be released yet. Son that of a being bitch. I know, right? You got... <laughs> Damn it. 
So, that all being said, the most of the time, they're going to spend time in barrel for a while until they release it. And they can spend in barrel for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years if they wanted to before they feel that it's ready. What they can also do is make a Colchita Madeira, meaning that they're, re they're going to re-release it prior to being the 20 years in 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 uh, barrel and then a year in bottle. So, you know, you could find that you have a, I don't know, let's see, what, what year is 2023? So maybe you can have like a Colhita 2015 or something like that, um, you know, that they've gone ahead and released or a Colhita 2010. Uh, so they're basically, it's basically like that when it comes to like port, you know, they're releasing, it's like a baby vintage. So it's, they're releasing it that way and then they're going to go ahead and make the Frisquera, the actual vintage and, and release that. So what I'm drinking on right now, my two vintage ones are Frisqueras, is the 75 Ted on Tesh, so medium uh, rich. And this was, so in 1975, bottled in 2020. Damn. So it's been 25, so it's been 45 years, 45 years in barrel and cast before being released. And the Circeol 1985 was bottled in 2018. Wow. So. Nice. That is. Um, to answer the question, though, I think that there, I mean, people may disagree with me, but I, you know, I, I, I feel that there... <sighs> Even though the fortification has stopped, I mean, we all know, too, that, you know, unfortified wines continue to age. I do feel, because I've had so many different ones, that, I mean, there is a difference. I mean, it's a great question, because I think, I know, I know that there's probably the real, the real truthful answer, but I've drank a lot of Madeira, and I don't know, man. Sometimes the ones that are older can be brighter. Sometimes the ones that are younger can taste older, so... And again, mm -hmm. it depends on the producers, you know, like, right, like, right, bland, right. like Blandy's, Cosard, Gordon are all part of the Madeira Wine Company, also Leacox. Leacox is all focused on Tinta Negra. Blandy's makes everything, but their style is a, just a slight bit sweeter than, say, Cosard Gordon's. So you can dr okay. you can try, like, a, you know, a five-year of each, and, and the Cosard Gordon will taste drier than the, than the other ones. But, so, it, it really depends on the producers as well, I, I think, a little bit. Um, okay. I'm kind of dancing around the answer, I feel like, a little bit on that. Yeah, but, yeah, no, I know I asked um, you, like, five difficult we, questions. We, we have, like back to back, yeah. you know. We have never. No, 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 no. That, that's fine. Just um, <laughs> you, you know, it's 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 it's. I mean, you're really getting the, the, the more of the complexities are coming from the wood and, and everything that they, that it's been sitting in, you know, and and, mm -hmm. and just letting it sit there. So once it's, uh, I feel I personally feel there's a slight bit more, you know, that you can get. Like you know, if I if I keep a six pack of say the seventy five Teron Tesh and one that I try right now and another one that I try in you know twenty years, I feel it will be a little different, you know, like it has to, mm -hmm. like like yeah. Totally. I mean, because yeah. like you said, like I've had some old, you know, bourbons or some old whiskeys or cognacs or whatever. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, and I know that I know that they've been bottled. I remember I had a roommate who had a Lagavulin uh, tenure and it, it thing looked like he had had it already for forever. And it was like, uh -huh. I started getting back into scotch. And I remember having that being like, this is amazing. Went out and bought another tenure Lagavulin. I'm like, this does not taste the same at all. I'm like right, at all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there has to be a little something to it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I was just. We're we've never been upset with a with a guest answering it depends because that's you know yeah 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 <laughs> sort of the most common phrase in wine <laughs> that's, it yeah. it depends <laughs> um, that's true <laughs> uh, the uh, other thing you just brought up that I was going to ask about what is um, what kind of barrels are mostly being used oh, on Madeira oh great question I think I think it's all American oak. Pretty sure it's oh, all oh that's fast. Oh, that would make sense actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's all American because they, um, you know, it was it's it's a, it's a little the the grains on American oak are a little bit wider. Mm -hmm. um, they're not as tight as French oak, so they can have more breathability. Uh, so essentially, getting that oxygen in in, in there. Yeah. 
Um, and trade-wise, it um, also makes sense. Yeah, too. it'd be a great tagline. Just using American oak since before America was a thing, which that yeah. probably wasn't the case. But <laughs> right, yeah. exactly right. Um, I'm trying to s- <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. Are there any? Yeah. Are there? Okay, so I have a couple questions. I gotta write these down. Um, <laughs> most Madeiras, there's no like. Again, I'm probably just stuck in like the sherry mode. There's no nobody does stuff in like not nobody, but it's not common to do like Solera stuff, right? Like it's it's very much like it's a wine, it's not a sherry. Correct. Is that like the the idea that should be drilled into people's heads? Correct. Okay. Um, and then with super old bottles, like is so I know for like red wine, like old, you know, Bordeaux's and, and Burgundy's and stuff, uh, counterfeiting wines is like pretty easy. You just got to get the bottle and a cork. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like sparkling wines, counterfeiting is way harder. And like people really don't, not that people don't do it, but people don't really do it that often because it's so much more difficult. And it's like, you, you can't really do it. I could see people thinking that, you know, because I buy a bunch of stuff from auction, so I'll see a bunch of stuff like 1885 Madeira, you know, and it's like, I could see people, like you just get an old ass bottle that's authentic and then you can put just some other Madeira in there. Like not like fucking anything. You don't just go to the fucking store and buy, you know, anything. But I feel like it's it would be easier to counterfeit like like I guess fortified, like very old fortified stuff. Um, do do you ever like run into that kind of stuff if you're trying to source old bottles for a I restaurant or for anything else? I have it as far as those are concerned, um, because you know I'm going through distributors more more than not for the restaurant. I personally. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I buy a lot of bottles um, off auction, um, and I mean, again, that that all depends. I, I think if you know your auction house mm-hmm. and everything, it kind of comes down onto them to make sure that the authenticity of the product that they're trying to, you know, be the middleman for, mm-hmm. um, should at least take some sort of um, accountability if that were to happen. Totally, totally. But yeah, I, yeah. I have, I haven't heard of that that much happening, especially since I don't know if you guys ever watched that movie, uh, Sour Grapes. It's yeah. all about about that dude Rudy who um, mm-hmm. who you counterfeited all those wines. Um, yeah, yeah. So especially since that guy is no longer doing that, I haven't really heard much of a lot of counterfeiting, at least not personally. Um, and not, right, right. not of Madeira, not of Madeiras, and I haven't experienced totally. any. Um, gotcha. Because it's it's also something kind of hard to do. I mean, I know. Oh crap! What's the winery up in um, in uh, Napa that makes Madeira? Um, oh my god! I'm totally drawing a blank right now. Oh, I have to Google. Palmasan. So the uh, the winery up in Napa, V Satui, they make a um, a Madeira. Uh, I don't really know a whole lot about it, but I know that they do make a Madeira. You know, and just how it was in port. Um, you know, or people who make like a California port, they were kind of grandfathered in because, you know, ports mm-hmm. a designated area. Um, you know, Madeira is now as well, you know, just like champagne and stuff. So um, the Visa Tui makes a Madeira. I think Paul Masson, you know, for like a lower end brand, I think they may make like a Madeira. <laughs> oh, really? More, Amazing. Uh, oh, my for, God. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe more for like cooking. Um, yeah, but, yeah, that's a good oh, one. <laughs> so I mean, you might be able to get some Palmasan and throw it in and throw it in one of the other bottles and maybe pawn it off to a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Palmasan should that that's that should be just super valuable stuff. It's the chance that you'd have yeah. one of Orson Welles' own bottles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that'd be so good, man. Okay, so I got a couple more questions. One of which is going to be about like 
how should people like get into it? What's a good place to start? And then I want to ask you like where to source it, blah, blah, blah. And then I also want to ask you about the specific wines that you're drinking and what you think about them and all that kind of stuff. So whichever one you want to start with. What was the first question? Uh, like how, does, how should people like get into it? Like what should they, if they're like, listen to this, they're like, I would like to start drinking Madeira, but I don't know what to get. What should I get to, uh, to kind of understand it or start to grasp it or whatever? Sure. Um, so I think, and it, you know, obviously wine, learning the journey, education, and just discovering things isn't always cheap. Um, so yeah, yeah, what I would sure. say is to first maybe just get a starter point. You know, I have, you know, again, being in the Bay Area, it's a little different. Um, I would say your super high end or at least your very fine liquor stores or wine shops, you know, not not Bevmo and not Total Wines. I've even gone there and I've even asked them and they just they don't they have like cooking cooking stuff. They don't have the old vintages. They don't even have like mm. five or ten years, or at least not the ones that I've been to. So I haven't found those to be a good resource. I have a couple of like little bottle shops that carry some great things. And at the end of the day, the more that you as the consumer tell these bottle shop owners or tell your stores, hey, this is the product I'm looking for. This is what I want. Mm -hmm. The more they hear it, the more likely they're going to go ahead and order it then so that they can sell it to you. Um, you know, right. so that's one thing. It's always getting the people's ears about it. But um, uh, personally, I think the best way to do it is kind of the same way that I discovered it was like, I mean, either get invited to something that where you got a full lineup or you're going to have to make, make the little, the investment. Cause remember that's what it is, is an investment and just buy all four varietals Buy you know, pick one producer. And if you can get all four of the 10 years or all four of the five years, and then just be like, okay, here's my Cersei here's my Verdeo, here's my Bool, and here's this one from driest to sweetest. And then just taste them all and taste them again. And then you'll start to realize or recognize the differences. Then you'll start to realize, you know, like, Ooh, maybe I like this. Maybe I like a sweeter style. You know, when I first started getting a Madeira, I love the Buols. I love the medium sweet styles. I still love Buols, but I tend to find myself going more for Verdeos and Cerciols lately. And then I always love Tarantesh. Like, I just always love it no matter what. So, and I, and I do like Malvasias or Malmsies, you know, but it's usually for me, that is definitely more of a dessert, dessert, um, you know, style of wine because it is so mm -hmm. sweet. But it isn't until you do that lineup where you're like, oh, okay. Because if you taste the Buol one time, you're like, oh, this is sweet. And then you taste the Verdeo, even a week later, you're going to be like, oh, this tastes kind of sweet too. You're right, not going right, to have right. that. You're not, you're not going to have the reference point, you know. And the only reason why I, you know, I'm, I, I get the reference is because I, they drink or I try this stuff fairly regularly, um, yeah. you know, so, and then that is, you know, that's just the hard thing is just having exposure and then having the repetition, um, you know, so that would be at least where I would suggest is if you can go and afford, and I mean, these five-year blandies, I think were like 25 bucks each, um, and mm -hmm. the, no, no, get me wrong, five years are fine, um, but I don't feel like I start to get the complexity until I hit at least a 10-year or, or later, okay. because especially like tasting these five years right now next to these vintage especially like the cerciol five year versus the 85 cerciol you're like dude it's, it's leaps and bounds different i mean you're getting a cerciol <laughs> totally, yeah, higher yeah. city but like nutty characteristics and just like this density and you're just like oh like if you were to set these down blind in front of somebody if you couldn't tell that one is extremely more complex you know and then everything else than the five year i mean i mean you'd be hard not to you'd be like dude this is like night and day um, right right so so i think that's kind of i think just just the thing you know is again don't don't be scared and just uh just just go for it and try them all you know Totally, yeah. No, that's a good. Uh, that's a good point. I think like because it is a so like it's funny because the you know last guest we had on was the you know Lewis uh, Lewis Kopman from from GK Selections who's I don't know bought all that Portuguese wine, and um, there's that Portuguese wine shop that I talked about last time, and they have you know the huge selection of dry stuff, and then they have a big port selection and a big Madeira uh, selection, and when you go in there, and it's almost like the there's just so many choices. Like they have like 
so many five years, so many 10 years, they have a ton of vintage bonds, they have like, you know, all sorts of shit. And you're almost like, like, part of me thinks it, it would probably be also be a good idea to like with um, burgundy, right? Burgundy's so expensive. And so there's like, yeah. you can't just go through and be like, let me try all of these producers, different like village level von Romanes, and you'll end up like, it'll cost you like thousands of dollars, you know? But what you can do is with a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, try their like Bourgogne Rouge or something like that. And then, oh, I like these. And then let's say I like this this one producer's Bourgogne Rouge and I dislike these other ones. Maybe I'll just start to focus on these other producers, these these wines or whatever, save a bunch of money. Is there like a solid age? Like would you say, like you said, 10. Let's say I go into the store and there's like five different 10-year Madeiras from like whatever, five different producers or whatever. Is that a good... Like to get the idea of their particular style or whatever to buy those five say, and do them all side by side. I would say so. Um, I think that the ten years really again where the complexity starts to come through. Like tasting these two five years at least side by side right now. With Cersei all, I've had this open for like a day now too now. With the acidity for me isn't as ripping as it was before, even though it's Cersei all mm-hmm. and it should be. Uh, again, because Blandies tends to be a little just just if they're not sweeter, but they are just slightly sweeter ish than closer mm-hmm. to Gordon, they tend to have a little bit more roundness for me in all of them. Um, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, and because of that, I can understand that that's their style. It's right. nice and bright and everything, but it isn't, it isn't like layered and textured. Now their five gotcha. year bull on the other hand, which is the medium rich style, a little bit more weight and density to it. I get more expressiveness on the palate as far as the fruit characteristic, the floral notes and that, you know, just that underlying bit of, um, of, of, of again, that sort of like just molasses maple syrup. But now I'm also getting like a little, like a little tobacco note on the back end, like rich, dense mm. chocolate, uh-huh. which Ooh. is really fun. Now compare that with these. <laughs> compare that with these other ones, the Cercial, the eighty-five, which I've had this open for a couple of days. You have way more intensity of flavors. The density too. This the acidity is just like it's just cutting right through the middle of my palate right now. The and then and then like splashing over and hitting all the rest of the sides of my palate. It's like envel- <laughs> it's like it, it like it envelops it, and it's so much different and so much more complex. I don't get those bright like like you mentioned before the pear notes because I was getting that on there as well. I don't I don't get that brightness. I don't get like the little bit of orange peel. For me, the Cercel tends to have more of that nut character right now and more of that walnut um, component. Mm-hmm. But it is just like layered, textured. Um, yeah, okay. And closer to Gordon tends to be slightly drier, which is another reason why I like them. One of okay. my favorite producers, one of my favorite producers, though, is Henrikesh Henry Henrikesh. And it's written out, you know, if you were to read it phonetically, like us as Americans, we'd look at like like Henriquez and Henriquez. But because of the way mm. the Portuguese say everything, it is Henriquez and Henriquez. Just like the Terrantes that I'm drinking right now, you could read it as Terrantes, and a lot of people say it that way. But to say it properly is Terrantes. And that's and you got to get that on the end. But huh, now this okay. Terrantes. Terrantes is the most elusive um, of all the noble grapes in a sense because again, there's not a lot of plantings and there's not a lot of access to it that much anymore. I want to say, and I could be wrong, but like five hectares, so like ten acres ish, um, mm-hmm. are, are planted and and basically. Um, uh, Henrique Shanikas owns the majority of it or owns all of that. And there's only a little bit more plant on the island. So these other producers, if they do make Tenantesh, like it's those tend to be a lot more expensive um, than even the other noble grapes. But I always love Tenantesh. Like I've never had a Tenantesh that I didn't love ever. Wow. But if you could find the Henrique Shanikas 20 year and it's got a big red 20 on it, that one is always solid. And it's just, I mean, it's beautiful always. Wait, how do you, so how do you spell the name of that producer? It's just like Henriquez and Henriquez, but it's Henriquez. pronounced. Oh, okay. But it's pronounced Henriquez and Henriquez, so, or 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 also known as just H and H. H and H. Okay, cool. 
And they also make a 50-year one. I think it's a 50-year Tarantesh. Damn. They make a 50-year one, though. And that one's super elusive. I've only had that, I think, once on the island. Huh. Oh. Yeah, that thing's fire, though. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, all right. I got to keep an eye out for this. So, so how is that? How, how is Tarantesh different than the other four? Because it's just... Because it can be either made medium sweet or medium dry. So it falls right in between a Verdejo and a Bual. So for me, it's the best of both worlds. Because as I said before, I really love Bual's and I've always loved Bual's, but to me, they're starting to get a little bit too sweet for me right now for my palate. Mm. So I've been gravitating towards the, you know, more medium dries. But Terontesh just, it's just, I don't know. It just has this different sort of purity to it than, than the others. It's just... Mm. Every time you taste it, like, it, like, or I should say not every time, nine times out of ten when it's, like, put in a flight, most of the other people, I always experience them being like, whoa, or like, or like, oh, this is my favorite, or this, you know, it's just, it's just, I don't know, it just always sets itself apart. And also, hmm. too, the elusive, the, the elusiveness of it, because there's not a whole lot planted, so, I mean, you don't see it that often, so when you do, yeah. it's like, oh, oh, shit, you know? Totally. That's um, very, that's very cool. And does... Yeah, one. Th- oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just gonna ask if the if that sort of its positioning between the medium or semi sweet, semi dry does that lend to like a sort of more like vintage specific, uh, like vintage specific oh, wine, yeah, where like because of just it be, depending on the vintage and how ripe it gets, uh, that coming through in terms of when it gets fortified or how you know how it uh, expresses over time. Great question. I think that's uh, producer specific mm. uh, as to when they choose to do that. But again, there's not much that people are, are dealing with uh, with that. So I would think I've never seen like a five or ten year tenor on test. From what I've seen, it's always either a Frisquera. I don't even know if I've seen a Colita. I'm sure there are, um, but I have seen the twenty year. So I've seen the tenor. I've seen vintage or Frisquera to um, uh, tenor on testes, and I've seen the twenty year. Um, but I've never seen like a Colhita. They may exist, and then but, I've never seen it made into something like a five or ten or fifteen because there's not a whole lot planted. So they want to preserve that, you know. Like then they can charge a lot more money for that. Right. Okay. Does, does that what? answer your question? Uh, I think insofar as that there would be a an answer to it, I I would be very interested to try. But it sounds like there aren't a whole lot of uh, different producers to try it from. But I'd be very, that yeah. Wow. I just want to go to the to Madeira and try to convince sugarcane farmers to let people plant more of that. <laughs> All right. Right. hundred percent, man. So I actually, uh, I just got invited, um, to go back to Madeira in September by the Blandies. Um, we're going to be doing like night harvesting and all this stuff and going around with all the locals and shit and like fucking whole bunch of shit. I don't, I don't even know. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. That's to go back. crazy. That's dude. awesome. I'm awesome. so excited to go back. It, it, it literally, if you guys ever get a chance or anybody else out there listening, got to go to Madeira. Just the locals are so amazing. Like, I mean, I forget, but there's like this little troop of like just older, older people. They're just coming around with like an accordion and they're just singing all these different songs and stuff. And just everybody's having a good time. Like, you know, the wines are all great. You know, the food's all great. I mean, just everybody's so hospitable. Everybody's happy. Like, it's just like, and how can you not be when you're sipping on Madeira all day long? Like, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's so cool to hear of a wine region where like the majority of the grapes being grown are still being grown in a, like, as part of the community, like people are just growing the vines and then selling the grapes to people who are making the wine out of it. But the, like, there is that level of like, and it's unfortunate for the, re- like what you were talking about, that land's getting planted out to more profitable, uh, profitable crops. But it, that's so cool. Cause I can't think of another region that has its like name known on, you know, around the world that that's still true of. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I would agree, man. There's a huge sense of community there, you know? That's super cool. Huge sense of community. So, like, we so Islands will do that how, to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that is true, too. Yeah. The There's no way off. You know, like, you're there. You're fucking... You're not leaving. Um, the... the how, how long, like, can you, like... How long do they stay? I'm sure it varies, like, wine to wine, producer to producer. Like, once it's open, how long do you think until, like, Madeira starts to diminish in, like, intensity or typicity or whatever else? Yeah, great question. Um, I think with the, you know, the the smaller age ones, like the Cersei All and stuff, like I said, I opened this, I think, yesterday just to, uh, just to try them and whatnot. And um, I, I feel like those ones don't have as much life. I feel like the ones that, you know, like, again, if you get into the, the older ages the 10 years at least like those i've had opened you know a bottle sitting there for six months um and it's fine it's <laughs> fine i retasted one of the bottles at work the other day just to see where it was at of a 58 bual that i hadn't uh, used in at least a year just because for whatever reason mm-hmm. and um it was still just fine um nice so i don't <laughs> know um, like... i also i also don't leave them around for forever to find out personally you know like i mean i'm gonna most likely if especially if i'm consuming madeira at home me and my wife both love madeira so like a bottle's not gonna last more more than a week um, right in our house in our in our household once it gets opened it's like you know we're both like oh my god more madeira more madeira Um, (laughs) yeah 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 So right now that I have all four of these open, it's going to be interesting. I'm trying to keep it away from her. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean I, again, this is one of those things that is indestructible. I remember I was talking with another wine director, um, and she was telling me how she sold, I think it was an either like a 1900 or 1920 or maybe it was an 18-something. She, she sold something, but what she was going to do is just sell it, and then it's, you know... <sighs> She's had because she's gonna have the customer come back. She's like, I mean, she's like, I'm gonna pop the cork, I'm gonna decant and do all the things, I'm gonna let it sit for like a week, and then you can come back and drink it. Um, <laughs> and and there's a re- there's a reason because of that because especially with these older older Madeiras, and this is fun if you ever get the the opportunity to try it, or if you decide to invest again and have this experience to where you know try you know buy something if you can from the 1800s or from the early 1900s. Give yourself like a little flight, you know, and just try it all when it's opened. Take your notes or whatever, then try to get in a week, try to get in a week, try to get in a week, and you're going to see how it will change, you know, and how those mm-hmm. older vintages really do take some time. I've, I also found this out when I was drinking some uh, Tawny Port that I found out that it's like, you know, actually you should decant these, um, not just for sediment, but for aeration. I'm like, really? Mm. So it was like, I think, I think it was like a 64, whatever, I think it was a Tawny Port, 64 Tawny Port, you know, decanted for the guy, the, everybody enjoyed it that night, but there was still like an ounce or two left in the bottle that was just riddled with sediment. Well, I had, I, uh, I had actually, I think I had a little argon gas to it. I may have not. At, at a, a restaurant, we use an argon gas tank to preserve our BTG glasses or wines by the glass because mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, it's basically like what's in a Corbin. Um, essentially, though, I let it sit, I think, for at least a month or two. And then my assistant was came back in town. I was like, bro, you got to try this. I've been saving this for you. You know, and <laughs> we, 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 strain, we strain it out and we retried it. And it, for me, because, again, I remember, I have a really crazy memory. I remember about 90% of everything I've tasted, literally. Uh, and mm-hmm. I can give you notes on those things. Um, so I was like, dude, I remember how I how I had this when I was when I first w- when it was opened, and now being it months later, the complexity like this thing had completely opened up and changed. And you know, that's one thing with older wines, man. Like like they're sleeping. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I I forget the guy's name right now. I think it's Duze or, or the Audize. Uh, he's the guy on um, Instagram where he's known. Oh, yeah, All he yeah, does yeah. is open up those old wines. And I was just watching his whole method, and the, his method is to just 
open these old bottles and let them sit for like four to six hours before he even serves them, exposing them to that mm-hmm. much oxygen because that's how long it takes for these things to really open up and become yeah, alive. Yeah. You know, so that's why with these older ones, like this this eighty five and seventy five that I'm drinking right now, you know, like I opened these up a couple couple days ago, um, you know, from brand new bottles, and like they've definitely changed um, from just from them from that little bit of oxygen mm-hmm. um, in, in a good way. But I've never had one actually like 100% fall off before. Totally. Yeah. So, no, so and I did, and I did recently, I did recently, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I did literally no, no, two no, weeks ago good. or three weeks ago, my wine mentor, my original mentor was in town. And we went up to a really nice restaurant, Angler in the City, one-star Michelin restaurant. And, you know, it came time or towards the end of the meal. And it's like, dude, now we got to drink Madeira. Like, I'm the Madeira guy. Like, fucking, you taught me, you gave me the green, the, the framework of everything. Like, let's indulge. So they poured us a nice little flight. I think it was like some 70s and 80s, whatever. But then I was like, dude, they've got they've got the 1899 in here. And he's like, oh, like, have you ever drank anything from the 1800s? He's like, no. And I'm like, well, then we have to do it. We have to buy right, a glass. Right. Like, we have to. It wasn't cheap, but I'm like, this is not only like, you know, am I, am I you know, wanting to present this to, to, to my mentor, but at the same time, I'm like, this is an experience. For one, yeah. we're experiencing it together, drinking something from the 1800s. And it's your first time drinking something from the 1800s. I've had a bunch, but it's also like, dude, we're drinking history right now together. Like, we're drinking something that's 100 and whatever <laughs> fucking 120 yeah. years old. Like, this yeah, is like, it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah no, it's ridiculous. Sure. And, and, and that was the bottom of the bottle. And so they had kept that in the fridge. So that bottle had been open for, I mean, probably for a while because it's not like everybody's going in there paying that much money for, for the, right, for, the right. for a couple of ounces. But, dude, it was still it was so delicious. It was fucking amazing. I love the thought Dude, of being sick. able to drink something from before World War One. That's just <laughs> right. No, it's it's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. What I was just gonna say before we was talking about um, old wine, like like like. Uh, so like, I'm a big fan of decanting, like of double decanting. Like I double decant like everything. Like when we okay. had the fucking seventy one or the seventy DRC, and sh- like like oh, anything old, whatever, decant it. And I've had like. Re- like I remember a bottle of Chianti I had from like the 70s opened it up decanted it and it was just like meat and chocolate and that's it and everyone anyone would be like dude that wine's that wine's dead but like it's like dude the finish on this thing is so fucking long and the acid is so is like great on this thing I think I just need air so like left it in a decanter or double decanted it and left it for like six hours came back and just like fruit was there it still had like mm-hmm. a bunch of savory stuff but fruit was there and then the next day, there was still a bunch. Actually, I think two days later, but I'd put the cork back in, put it in the fridge for two days, took it out, tried it a couple days later. It was just all fruit. Like there was not even any savory stuff left in there. And everybody, I feel like, is so afraid of opening a wine and you, you decant it and then the whole thing just falls apart, shatters into a million pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've never, I've, I'm, I mean, fortunately maybe, but I've never had that happen. I think maybe people like, they smell it right away. They're like, ooh, this smells good. They take a sip. And then, you know, the first thing, maybe they were, like, inserting their own opinions or, like, whatever. Like, they were mentally manufacturing what they thought this thing was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then they, by the, like, whatever, maybe a half hour or an hour goes by, and then that dissipates. They try it again. They're like, oh, wow, this is not what I thought this thing was originally. Therefore, it's bad. It got too much air. We wasted it. Um, so anytime there's anybody who comes on here who, you know, condones... Uh, Lots of air exposure, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm for it. Is, the thing is, is that nine, I just didn't say that. The more majority of the people that I talk to that have that sort of mentality have had bad experiences with bottles in the past, most likely 
not from quality producers, you know, and mm. I think that's one thing that mm. they forget. They, you know, they bought some stuff at the grocery store or they're part of a wine club and they forgot about a bottle. They've had a bottle. They also maybe haven't stored it well. You know what I mean? It kind of could have had, yeah, yeah. you know, been exposed to weather or, you know, to heat or to sunlight, whatever it is. And then they open the bottle and they're like, oh, you know, this is off and this isn't, you know, how I remember it. So this bottle is bad. And then they begin to have a fear of drinking older wines. Um, you know, because they don't understand older wines, you know, at the restaurant at Shea TJ, we, I run three levels of wine pairings, a nightly, which is focused on current releases and vintages, the grand where we just turn up the volume with a whole bunch of dope stuff. And then the vintage pairing, which is just that vintage wines. I've had to go back, I think as far as like the sixties or the fifties, you know, but it is one of these oh, things wow, where yeah. you have to, where you have to set it up with people to like, be like, you understand you're drinking an old wine. Like it's going to taste old. Like it, cause it is old, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I even yeah. I had one person <laughs> yeah. one time, literally they're like, they're like, they're like this smells old and i'm like well yeah it's like 50 years it old is. man what did you expect yeah. it would be like a bouquet of like you know fresh fruit and you know roses and everything like no man it's decaying road pe rose petals now why because it's going down that's why it's decaying like like just think about right, it that right. way you know like it's not floral bright anymore it is it's turning but that's the other thing at least doing what i do you know and it, a lot of people they just drink for pleasure you know and, and they either drink for pleasure which is fine you know you drink for whatever you want yeah, yeah. but i not only for my job but for my own pleasures i like to really deep dig or dig deep into the wines so that's where i had to learn to taste not just subjectively but objectively because not only to push my own sense you know but it's for my consumers because i have to you know build a wine list and build tastings and stuff and not around just what i like but again what other people like so he puts right. you in a different mindset when you're tasting the wines and when you're tasting older wines it's not just like ooh, do i like this or ooh, does it smell good no it's like okay this may be a little unpleasant let's dig deeper let me go past this now you know like let's dive into this wine and it might just need more time as you said that wine took six hours or so to really start to open up and i've had that sort of same experience you know especially with older italian wines and things like that there was one wine that i had i want to say it was 2017 I think it was 2017. It was a 1922 vintage of uh, Rioja. I want to say Marquise de Rascal uh, that, a, that a collector came in and opened. And this was 95 years old at the time. This wine <laughs> literally just over the course of the night, six hours later, was just better. It just kept, it was, it was awesome when he opened it and just got better and got better and got better. And then he started busting all these other old bottles. So, I've, you know, again, I have a lot of exposure to these things, but it is, um, you know, after I watched that, that, that guy talking about the, the, the Dazi Met, the, the uh, I can't pronounce his oh, name yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. But, but the slow oxygenation, uh, Slow oxygen, I can't say the word now either, but getting the wine, you know, into some oxygen um, for the extended period of time, those wines will change, you know, so your initial like, oh, this is bad, let's dump it, or let's just open another bottle, like, yeah, open another bottle, but like, don't, you know, don't dismiss this for what right, it is, right, you right. know what, too, you can also maybe use it as a learning tool, start to dive into it about being like, why you don't like it. You know, and all the things you don't like it. So then when you do experience another wine like that, you can you have you have that reference point to be like, oh, yeah, that's why I didn't like that, because it was like this, this and this, whatever that may be. Totally, totally. You know? Yeah, man. No, it's very cool shit. And uh, damn, now I want to try some fucking really old Madeira. Yeah, we got to get some old, and old Madeira. I did. We got to do I got to do a session with you guys when we're in person. Um, yes. Bust out the bust out the big shit, big gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we gotta we'll schedule our uh, when we start taking this on the road. We'll be scheduling our uh, yeah. our California misadventure. There, you, there you go. We should all convene on Madeira. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that would be the yeah that would be the ideal scenario. That's that's the dude. Real. If you guys can come in September, you guys can come in September for that week that I'm there. That would be I'll fucking show you around. <laughs> I'll 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 get you guys looped in with everything. Trust me. That's, that's. Can you just go to Madeira? Like you can just get a flight to go there? Like yeah. 
I imagine you need like a it's like a flight to a flight to yeah. a flight type of situation. Tax free. Well, it's either you, it's 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 usually you fly to the Azores and then Madeira, or you fly to Lisbon or Porto and then Madeira. Okay. Because that's another trip I've wanted to do is go to go to the Azores. Because I mm-hmm. haven't had much wine from theirs, but they do also make some other fortified wines there. No, they um, they do some crazy so yeah. stuff there with their vineyards are amazing and just yeah beautiful bizarre yeah. Nice dude, Boone. Do you have any do you have any questions or Paul? Do you have any questions for us or? Uh... Not else? really, man. This this was enjoyable. I'd love to meet you guys in person and just fucking pop some bottles. Likewise, I think, I think we all have very very similar tastes and palates, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. No. This was this was fantastic. I was uh, really really appreciate all your knowledge and your enthusiasm for spreading the spreading the uh, very 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 old news about Madeira that nobody's listened to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Cool. It well, is. Thank you guys yeah. very much. Really appreciate this. Well, given Madeira's yeah, insanely yeah, long history with uh, with the U.S., that uh, good on you for being for being America's first official, or United States of America's first official uh, Madeira educator. Because uh, sounds like we've desperately needed one for a long yeah, time. Yeah, dude, that's uh, that's a story. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Sweet. It is. It is. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> When did, was there anything else you do? You already get all the plugs you wanted to do in, or would you like to? Uh... Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I plugged myself in the restaurant. I don't think there's much else I need to plug right now. I, we plugged plenty of Madeira, so Sweet. perfect. <laughs> nice. So, man. Yeah, no, no. Cool. Yeah, great. All right. 